0: Whether you're upgrading your home, your health, or state of mind, there's one surprising item that belongs on your shopping list. Yep, it's a mattress. With over 10,000 five-star reviews, the Lisa mattress is in a league of its own when it comes to combining quality, innovation, and making a difference. Listen up, guys. Once I found out who this company was and what they represented, it made me look a little bit closer. First, they're 100% American-made. Second, Lisa donates one mattress to a shelter for every 10 that they sell through their 110 program, which has included over 18,000 mattresses donated so far. We can use a little bit more generous notions in today's world. They also donate 1% of each of their employees time to volunteer for local causes like the recent hurricane victims. When I heard about all these wonderful things, I decided to order one myself. It comes in a box, literally a box about four feet tall and two feet wide on either side. That's a king size mattress. It's fully compressed until you get it in place, cut the plastic, and voila. After all the great points I just gave about their company, there's actually nothing like laying on one of these Lisa mattresses after a hard day's work. It's a three-foam layer mattress to provide support, pressure relief, and cooling that adapts to all body shapes, sizes, and sleeping styles. As with anything in life, luxury does not come cheap, yet it's still something we all desire, especially when it comes to a good night's sleep. The Lisa mattress compares brands that are thousands more, but because they don't believe in all the unnecessary extras, Lisa's prices start at just five hundred and twenty five dollars. You can try one of their mattresses in home for 100 nights, absolutely free, no shipping costs or anything right now with our promo code. Go to Lisa.com, that dot com forward slash fantasy pros, where you'll automatically get $100 off your Lisa mattress at checkout. All right, let's talk some football. What's going on, guys? Welcome into the Fantasy Pros Football Podcast. I am your host, Mike Tagliere, once again riding solo, though Bobby will be returning soon. Don't worry, guys. I've gotten all of your tweets saying that I provide way too much logic and that you need more hot takes in your life from Bobby. I've made him aware of those tweets while we discussed both of us burning to the ground in our Amari Cooper and Sammy Watkins bet. But since Bobby is still out, we did what we always do and are bringing in one of the best analysts in the business. This particular one just happens to be an old friend of mine who I used to do podcasts with on a regular basis. Many have asked for this reunion, so it kind of made sense to happen. She's a radio host on Sirius XM Radio with her fantasy football and also does work with Fantasy Alarm. Her name is Brandon Marianne Lee, and she is joining me on what is today, October 2nd, her anniversary. Brandon, I'm so sorry, and I hope you forgive me, but I wanted to talk some waiver wire additions with you. (laughs)
1: Oh, no, thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And yes, yes, seven years married today. Seven year itch. So um, (laughs) I'm already uh, looking side-eyeing my husband. You know, I'm like, what are you doing today? Seven Mm, year itch.
0: I've heard about that. I've heard about the seven-year itch. I passed the seven years. I'm still happy. Happily married. I hope you're doing the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I'm one of the lucky ones for sure. It doesn't feel like it. And actually, we've been together for 12 years. We got married on our five-year anniversary. So we always call it our twelve slash seven or eleven slash six or what have you. So
0: <laughs> no, wait. So you guys have the same anniversary. That's that's an argument that Tabby and I have all the time in regards to when she she wants to celebrate the anniversary when we started dating soon, like as well. And I'm like, no. When you get married, everything starts over. Like there is no more dating anniversary. That doesn't count, right?
1: Yeah, no, it doesn't. Normally, in our case, um, our dating anniversary fell on a Saturday. <laughs> so it ended up working out, and it was a, it was a great day to to get married. But um, otherwise, no, I, I agree with you. The the marriage is the big one. You know, it's kind of like sometimes I call Carson my boyfriend, and he'll be like no, I married you so that I would never be called a boyfriend again. And I'm like, well, do you want me to get a different one? Because I don't think you do. So you get to be both.
0: (laughs) Good for for (laughs) you. Good for him. I'm happy for you guys. Happy anniversary. Um, But today we are here to talk about some waiver wire additions as well to do a slight recap on what happened in week four. It was was a really exciting week in football. There was a lot of news to be taken from it. I'm just going to mention a couple injuries if you guys were to have missed them that kind of happened. Delvin Cook has been diagnosed with a torn ACL. His season is over. It really stinks for the rookie. He was starting to come on. He looked really good. We're going to be discussing that throughout the show. Uh, Julio Jones is going for an MRI today on his hip. He had to leave the game. Jordan Matthews is having surgery on his hand. He is out a month. Derek Carr is apparently having back spasms. He left the game uh, this this past week in the middle of it. it the Raiders offense struggled because of it, uh, but they're saying that he should be fine. But we're going to start with the biggest news of the day, Brandon, and it's involving my Chicago Bears. And I'm not, I'm not necessarily happy about it, but I understand why it had to, be done. Mitch Trubisky has been named the starter for the Chicago Bears, and Mike Glennon has found himself a warm spot on the bench where Mitch Trubisky used to sit. My issue here is that the Bears are going, they're going to be playing on primetime television against the Minnesota Vikings, a potentially top five defense this week. What do you make of this with the Bears? Like, what does it mean for Trubisky? Do you think he's going to be a fantasy relevant quarterback? And what do you think it means for the rest of the players on this Bears team, skill position wise?
1: Well, first of all, I'm very excited, actually. I feel differently than you do. I thought that Trubisky looked like the most prepared quarterback out of all the rookies in the preseason. And I was actually a little surprised that they I, – no, I wasn't surprised because it's, it's John Fox. <laughs> but I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this would be the one time where John Fox is like, you know what, this is logic and I'm going to do this. Uh No. But, you know, hey, I, I think that they're going to stick to the same type of game plan, which is Jordan Howard all day long and then, you know, mix in Tariq Collin as this great pass catching back who's been really fantastic, although the Benny Cunningham work was confusing last week. I will say this, though. He had a very good rapport with a guy named Tanner Gentry, who's on the practice squad right now. But I wouldn't be surprised if they activate him sometime this week. I picked him up in a lot of my dynasty leagues. I have him around. I just feel like this guy may come too. He's from, I think it's the University of Wyoming, um, kind of, you know, the scrappy-doo kind of guy. But they connected a lot in the preseason. So that would be one of the things that is kind of like an underbelly story with this. And I like to look for those when they make big changes like this. Yeah.
0: So definitely pay attention to who Trubisky's targeting this week because a lot of times they'll find their favorite target when they first come into the league. And that's just what they do. And the, the problem is that the Bears don't really have that prototypical number one receiver. Marcus Wheaton's bad at football. Uh, Kendall Wright is solid, but he's not really the guy that they're going to throw to 12 times a game. It's just not going to happen. Uh, but I think it's something to pay attention to. I think Tariq Cohen is his value is going to go up because I think this is going to become a higher scoring offense. My concern as a whole comes down to the fact that the Bears have the Vikings, then they have the Ravens next week, and then the Panthers after that. So he's walking in to a brutal schedule. He has zero pass catchers. It's a team that's really going nowhere. That's why I'm upset. I I actually love Trubisky, the player. Love when we signed him. I just wanted to make sure that he was walking into a good situation. With that being said, I don't want to go on too too much of a rant about Miss Trubisky today um, because I do like the player and I'm rooting for him. But Brandon, we're going to. But can
1: I get a what what for the Jordan Howard call? Oh, yes. I'm one of the only people that said to draft this guy. He is. You guys, he's legitimately good at football. He's the best player on the team. He and Cohen and I, I I even like Tariq Cohen too I think they work together
0: Cohen is uh is surprisingly really 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 good I, I've talked about him on this show before in the fact that he 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 has a, a a crazy sense of balance despite the fact that he's moving mm-hmm. a billion miles an hour they run in, the, the offense is a bit questioning I don't know why they didn't use him very much against Green Bay it, it makes zero sense I'm worried about Jordan Howard's shoulder uh, but at the same time he's he's producing despite having a shoulder injury so what we want to do now we're going to touch on these hot topics that came from week four and we're gonna do it in quick hitting style. I'm going to ask Brandon her thoughts, give mine really quick, and we're going to move on. So first question, what is Jay worth right
1: now? Um, very little because Jay Cutler is worth nothing. He is worth nothing. It, it, is that a quick enough take? By the way, Jay Cutler hasn't played in all 16 games since 2009, hasn't thrown for over 4,000 yards people since 2008.
0: Yeah, it's it's pretty scary. And Jay Ajayi is going to start sharing snaps with Ken, uh, Kenyon Drake and Damian Williams. It's it's For me right now, if you could trade Jay Ajayi and get second or third round value, I'm all over that. I'm doing it. I think there's more to his knee injury that they're letting on. Number two, Le'Veon Bell got back on track this week. Looked fantastic. The, I mean, The 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 Ravens were short on defense. We know that. But is Ben Roethlisberger next? No. And this
1: is why I didn't draft Martavis Bryant, sadly. Oh,
0: this is too bad. Joe Mixon. 42 touches over the last two weeks with Bill Lazor as the offensive coordinator. Are you buying Joe Mixon or are are you actually let down by the performance that's kind of come from those 42 touches?
1: I'm the only person in the fantasy industry who saw this coming a million miles away. And I've told you not to touch him in the preseason. I've told you not to touch him in the regular season. And I don't care how many touches the guy gets if he's averaging less than two yards a carry. Giovanni Bernard is not bad at football, people. Wow, that's, that's a hot take. I, I think Mixon... I, it's not hot. Why do why do people say hot take when it's an, a totally legitimate take on the facts and the stats as they are? Like, why, I hate the hot take thing. It's not a hot take because it's different. Well, it's not well, a hot no, take. No.
0: I, was, I was against Mixon actually coming into the season, so I've argued on the show that people shouldn't have been drafting him, that it was going to be no. a timeshare, but at the same time, 42 touches is a lot of touches. It's the same reason that Todd Gurley... It, he, this is another topic I wanted to touch on, is that Todd Gurley, I think he's a sell right now with the, with the schedule... That he has coming up granted for who that's 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 the point is that you don't trade away a 20 plus touch running back for no reason like you don't just do it just to do it you need to get something in return and I think that you can actually get if you trade Todd Gurley right now you could probably package him and like a a bit receiver on your team for Antonio Brown or Mike Evans I think that can actually happen and I'm doing that every single day of the week with Todd Gurley's upcoming schedule
1: now Joe Mixon you think with scarcity of position that you would give away One of the top running backs in the league right now, Todd Gurley. Joe Mixon's not even close to Todd Gurley. No, no, I agree. That's the other thing, too. I want to say this really clearly. Joe Mixon has not shown us anything... That would put him in the category of Todd Gurley. Some jerk on Twitter kept going after me. (laughs) Listen, all the Joe Mixon lovers come after me because I've been so vocal being like, you guys, you're living in a dreamland. You just are. You're living in a dreamland. He's finally getting the touches and still nothing's happening. You know, this is a Lamar Miller situation from 2016. This is really, this is worse than that. Uh, Statistically, it's statistically worse than Lamar Miller in 2016. You're correct. And there's no way to get around that. And you can't look at this offensive line. You want to know what his number one quality is coming out of college? Patience, because he sits back there and he sees the hole. There ain't no hole coming, baby. You're paying for the Bengals. And that's why he gets tackled behind the line of scrimmage. And he's going to continue doing that because that's how he plays ball. Now, I'm not saying if you're in a dynasty league that you should drop him or trade him or anything. And also, I'm not saying that he's not going to be good next year. I'm saying in the world in which we live, Joe Mixon wasn't a fourth round pick. He's not a guy you want to trade for. He's not someone that you want to even trade away because, frankly, unless you have a groupie in your league who's not you because you're the groupie who took him already. <laughs> okay so another groupie is going to be like oh yeah I'll give you Todd Gurley for him listen I'm having people ask me if they should trade Carlos Hyde for Joe Mixon get out of here even with the injury I'm keeping Carlos Hyde you get less than two yards per carry why do we think he's not Jeremy Hill you just he's putting up Jeremy
0: Hill stats you just delivered so much life into this podcast I, I like hands down that was like one of the best performances I've ever heard and I and I cannot argue with you Joe Mixon <laughs> and I, I like what you said the fact that he's a talent right you're, you're not disputing sure. his talent and the fact that no, com- not at all. coming out of college I actually compared him to the runner levion bell Absolutely. as a receiver he's more like a matt forte but you're right the patience is his best attribute running the football and he cannot have patience behind this offensive line which ultimately could lead to this yards per carry that we're seeing right now so man i love the take i, I love your reasoning i don't want to spend too much time on it but man kudos to you Brandon. that was awesome that's exactly why i wanted you on the show all right next next point the rams have the most points in the NFL through four weeks. Is this something that we can continue to see going forward?
1: Yes, and I probably have the most Rams on my fantasy teams out of anyone in the National Football League. <laughs> <laughs> even including the Rams. I think I have them all. I think I have like their practice squad. Yeah, no, I think I think the only frustrating thing is that they're going to rotate kind of Bill Bel- Belichickian style, who the wide receiver is each week. But let me tell you, Cooper Cup, greatest 14th round pick I've had, and I got him in almost every league.
0: Brandon was on Cooper Cup. I remember doing an expert mock draft, and you drafted him before anybody else even thought of him, and it it's kudos to you he's playing extremely well right now Deshaun Watson he's looked really good the last two weeks against New England and Tennessee which are two secondaries that are honestly quite brutal are you buying Deshaun Watson right now
1: I don't think New England's brutal at all I think New England's the new funnel defense I I mean I think they're terrible
0: well, that's what i'm saying like so so are you buying are you buying deshaun watson as for real though like that's what i'm I, that's what i mean by that is like oh, yeah. tennessee and new england their secondaries are atrocious so they're, oh, they're...
1: atrocious i think that they were good oh no oh, okay. hell I said, no. I, no no no, oh, no. I he, okay no they I misinterpreted cam,
0: they made cam newton look good last week I was, yeah, yeah i was
1: like oh please girl what are we talking about um no i <laughs> uh yeah i think he's kind of for real Listen, it's a hard it's a hard year for a lot of positions. Um, the good news is that the stud quarterbacks seem to be performing like studs, so you don't need to worry about those guys. But if you did the late round quarterback thing and you got some Philip Rivers out there, or you know, there's some scary dudes because even when Rivers does well, it doesn't feel good. Yeah, that's <laughs> it's going to go downhill fast, you know. So I would pick up Deshaun Watson if I'm in a dubious situation.
0: Yeah, and re- remember, everybody that's listening out there, a lot of people gave me crap about Andy Dalton over the first two weeks of the season, but he's really come through and he's he's looking really good over the last two weeks. I I'm not going to – it was against really bad defenses. I get that. But it was also against two really good defenses to start the year. So I just want people to apologize to me about Andy Dalton because he is a better quarterback Mm -hmm. than he looked in weeks one and two. I want to mention this for a quick second. I just want to say the Jets have won two games in a row. This is 2017. This is actually happening. Um, They're
1: not the worst team in football. It's kind
0: of – who would you say is the worst team in football right now?
1: I know they have a win, but I think the Dolphins are real garbage.
0: They don't look very good right now. The defense is –
1: It's Jay Cutler, man. I don't know. I don't know why this guy keeps getting jobs. And I'm blown away every time. I don't I sound like a hater right now. I'm sorry. That was not professional. I'm going to say in my professional opinion that the Miami Dolphins are going to have a tough road to hoe. And then, of course, the Cleveland Browns. But that just seems like cheating. It
0: does seem like cheating. They're playing each other this week, by the way, the Jets and the Browns. The Jets may actually win three games in a row, which is it's just fascinating to me. A team that was considered to be tanking. By the way, Cam Newton is—is—is is, is this like a step in the right direction, or is it just New England's defense? And don't take too much from it.
1: Yes, but I am worried about the shoulder. Every time he rolls his shoulder after throwing, I get very nervous because I have shoulder problems, and I know exactly what he's doing.
0: You know what's funny to me is that I was watching that game. I was watching quite a few games. I always try and have multiple games on the TVs in the house. And uh, so I was watching that, and Troy Aikman started talking about Cam Newton started that game horribly. By the way, he looked mm-hmm. awful, and Troy Aikman's like, man, you know, with the way. Newton's look through the first couple weeks there's got to be something wrong with his shoulder next thing you know he's tearing apart this New England defense the way that every quarterback does like let's just be honest about that every quarterback Mm -hmm. does and then you don't hear anything more about the shoulder I don't think his shoulder has been bothering him I mean granted did he have surgery on it is it going to be a little bit different going forward of course it is He's played some really bad defenses, and this is the first one he's actually looked good. It's obviously good for his confidence, because I think he's a quarterback more than anybody else relies on confidence to play the quarterback position. Uh, But I am not buying Cam Newton as a top 12 quarterback going forward. I don't think that's a real thing. Brandon, one last question before we start moving into the waiver wire. Melvin Gordon, is he
1: hurt more than they're letting on? Yes, but the Chargers actually are competing for worst team as well.
0: Yeah, the Chargers. I I I don't know. He was like, it's like almost like him and Todd Gurley flip flopped from last year to this year. It's like even going back to Melvin Gordon's rookie year, because Melvin Gordon was the guy who couldn't score a touchdown. He was averaging less than four yards per carry. Everything about him to start his career looked like Todd Gurley, and that's what people told me about heading into this year. I was I was buying Todd Gurley coming into the season. I'm selling him now for obvious reasons. Uh, but it I'm not so I it. just
1: don't agree with that Matt. I'm not like, what are you going to get for Todd Gurley
0: that's what I'm saying I want a top receiver I want like an Antonio Brown or a Mike Evans that's but what wouldn't
1: I want. you rather have a top running back than a top receiver at this point
0: I also but I, but I think that Todd Gurley's stock is at an all-time high if I were drafting today would Todd Gurley go before Antonio Brown no I don't think he would. I think he's
1: right afterwards. I think the only reason not is because he's so consistent although, you know, he had his meltdown this week and then got shunned by his teammates. Big Ben needs to also stop holding grudges. I but agree. anyway, I agree. Uh, get over it, man. You're a grown man. Um <laughs> yeah. But I just don't think you can get what you're losing with Todd Gurley at this point. I think he is that good. I think the Rams are that good. I think Sean McVay is that good. Sean
0: McVay. I, t- I talked about it saying that he was potentially remember like, do you remember when Chip Kelly took over the mm-hmm. Eagles and everybody projected them to be a bad offense? Like they all they had was Lashawn McCoy, nothing else like nobody wanted any part to do with that offense. And all of a sudden, they're the top scoring offense in the league. I said that Sean McVay could have a similar effect. I mean, granted, a lot of people didn't want to buy in on Jared Goff or Todd Gurley for that matter, but now everybody's all over them. And I I just think it's comical going back and looking at some of the takes that people had about Todd Gurley because he was really bad last year. But it was also to the point where he was playing for Jeff Fisher, a guy who refused to adapt his offense to the players he had on his scheme. Like It was just a bad situation. Todd Gurley, I'm happy to see him doing better. But at the same time, I'm selling because his schedule the next two months is just redonk. Uh, It's so bad. But let's move into the waiver wire. We are going to spend a lot of Time and running backs and wide receivers because that's what you guys always want to hear and Brandon if there's one waiver wire ad between guys like Alvin Kamara Latavius Murray even Wayne Gallman who which one is your top waiver wire ad of these guys right now
1: my top one wa- waiver wire ad is going to be Latavius Murray um just because they're going to have to use him that way I am not a Jerick McKinnon fantasy analyst I know there are a lot of people out there who have been waiting for this Jarek McKinnon train for years now. I'm off the train. I was never on the train, actually. Goodbye, train. (laughs) But I think that Latavius Murray is a guy that they're going to at least at bare minimum be using at the goal line. I think this offense is good enough. If they could actually go a week without a major injury, Mm -hmm. you know, we've seen it. When they haven't had a major injury in a week, they blow up, whether it's Case Keenum or Sam Bradford under center. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, if they they can get a week of practice in, knowing who's going to be on the field and that person stay on the the field. This is a good offense. It's a really good offense. So they've been able to move the ball. I think Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen may be one of my favorite players in the National Football League right now, one of my other favorite double digit draft picks that I have everywhere. These guys can move the ball, which means that Latavius Murray is going to have opportunities at the goal line. Even if he's not this elite back, he's not going to get be getting, you know, 4.5 yards per carry or anything like that. But he is going to be able to get in the end zone. So uh, to me, Latavius Murray is, is the clear cut number one for me this week.
0: Yeah, and they play against the Chicago Bears on Monday night. So. So he's going to have opportunity. The Bears have allowed a rushing touchdown in every single game this year. So Latavius Murray, even if it's like a one week thing where you want to get him off the waiver wire and then sell him after he has a decent game against the Bears, you can do that. And I'm with you, Brennan. Jerick McKinnon just just never lived up to the hype. I mean, I think they finally realized what type of player he was towards the end of last year. And it kind of continued into this year where they were using him a lot more in the receiving game. But at the same time, he's not a guy that you're going to insert confidently into your lineup every single week. Uh, But Latavius Murray is number two on my board. I have him behind Alvin Kamara, and the reason I have Kamara higher is, I don't know if you saw the the, the Sean Payton quotes... Uh, that he was saying to reporters this this uh, while in London. Actually, he was saying that going forward, he wants just two running backs to be involved in the game plan. He doesn't know which two. It may vary from game to game, but he wants just two running backs. It's just too difficult for him to rotate three running backs in and out of the game, and it makes a lot of sense. Like I don't know if if they would have signed Adrian Peterson, h- having you know known that they were going to get Alvin Kamara in the draft. I don't I don't I don't know if they knew that Alvin Kamara was going to be this pro ready right out of school. But he's making a difference. He's a playmaker. Anytime he gets the ball in his hands, he could take it all the way. I think we've seen that through the first couple weeks, and even most recently in London. Uh, Is is it inconceivable that the Saints would move on from Adrian Peterson? I don't know if they would cut him, but some people are are mentioning a trade. I don't know who would trade for Adrian Peterson at this point. But do you have anything against Alvin Kamara right now?
1: No, no, nothing against Alvin Kamara. Uh, To me, I just have something against um, Sean Payton. I mean, he hates running backs, so. Uh, this is, you know, just every year I feel like I'm I'm disappointed by the Saints running backs in one way or another. The only exception was Mark Ingram, and how do they repay him? By bringing in two other running backs. I mean, they just, it's bizarre. So that would be the only thing that I, I, I wouldn't even say have against him, but I, I just am a little bit worried about that moving forward. And also, it's a team that doesn't run the ball much. They just, they're a pass-heavy team. I think that the Vikings are a little bit more even-handed in terms of their running versus uh, pass plays. So, but yeah, no, I really like Alvin Kamara. And I, I can't believe he's still out there. And, and you know, right now I'm looking at Yahoo It's 46% ownership. And that seems really low to me.
0: Yes, it definitely is low. And that's the thing. He's got 28 targets. And that's why I think that he's my number one ad, because not only can he contribute right now in the fact that he's seen he's seen 28 targets through four games, but the fact that if there's an injury to Ingram or Peterson, Kamara automatically gets started every single week in your fantasy league. You know, Mark Ingram, the interesting thing with him, Brandon, I don't think most people realize Mark Ingram's actually playing more snaps this year than he played last year which is just it blows my mind 46 percent of the snaps last year this year he's at 49 percent uh but he's just not doing anything with the touches and that's why i think camara i think it's in- impossible for the saints to put the kid on the bench that's that's why i like camara uh, latavius murray is my number two but what what's your takeaways from wayne gallman Wayne Gallman looked really good, like the only Giants running back all season that looked good. And I think I think it's hilarious because like they were almost forced into using him this week. They didn't want to use Wayne Gallman for whatever reason. I don't think they want to use Davis Webb either. But I think at, the, at some point with the Giants, they have to realize that they're going nowhere and they have to find out what they have in their young talent. Uh, but Wayne Gallman is obviously on the field. I don't think Eli Manning gets benched. But um, what do you do with Wayne Gallman? Do you think that he's worthy of like you know maybe ten fifteen dollars on your free agent acquisition budget?
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, I do. I think I think Wayne Gallman, um, if you're in a situation like I am, listen, I, you know, I was saying that I have been undefeated in the most leagues I've ever been undefeated in and also zero wins in the most leagues that I've ever been in. Because where I lost David Johnson, I have not found my footing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, you know, and I, I mean, genuinely, and I think a lot of listeners out there can feel that too, mm-hmm. where it's like, man, that was a bigger blow than I thought. Because if I went David Johnson early, it was actually a domino effect. I then f- concentrated on wide receivers, even maybe took a tight end or a top tier quarterback, which... Which all of those were good. But then I waited on running back because I thought, well, at least I have David Johnson to get me 20 points a week. And then I can find someone in the middle of the, of the year to you know, be my best what, running back two or whatever and just you know play the waiver wire. But the problem is if you're playing the waiver wire for both running backs mm-hmm. – you can't win. No, I mean, it's it's been really scary. So I'm okay taking bigger chances and spending bigger fab budgets on running backs at this point if I'm in that kind of circumstance. And I think to me, Wayne Gallman is someone who may actually give the Giants the chance to win a game this year. I think the Giants are also in the running for worst team in the National Football League for a variety of reasons. But I, I think that Wayne Gallman is someone that for me, from a volume standpoint, because he could end up being the volume guy. Mm-hmm. A lot of these other guys, you know, like Alvin Kamara, I, I, I hope that he becomes the volume guy and certainly in the passing game. But I know, you know, we're also talking about like, you know, Deontay Foreman and Aaron Jones and like other people, CJ Proceis. They're never really going to be the volume guys. To me, Latavius Murray and Gallman, that's why I, I kind of favor them. I think they could be the dudes moving forward. And at least hopefully I can hope for a touchdown each week.
0: I like it. And here's the thing is like, it's the same situation with the Giants for me that it is for the Seahawks. I don't think that you'll ever put one of these running backs in your lineup and feel confident. I think the closest that we got was this week with Chris Carson. And even that blew up in our face. Like, well,
1: he uh, broke his ankle. So well, I, I, well, I know. But that <laughs> I mean, but that wasn't
0: before Eddie Lacey got the start and was getting the majority of the carries before that even happened. Like, I just don't understand True. what is going on in Seattle, why Eddie Lacey was inactive for weeks two and three. Then all of a sudden, Thomas Rawls is inactive. And Eddie Lacey's starting, even though Chris Carson has looked the best, like not even close. I don't understand what's going on in Seattle, and the offensive line is just so bad that I don't think you're going to have a consistent performer out of any of them. The only reason that I think you have a a sliver of of hope with Seattle is because they're a top 10 scoring offense. I think they're going to be for the rest of the season with Russell Wilson. You cannot say the same thing about the Giants, and their offensive line is looking like it, it, it could possibly contend with the Seahawks for worst offensive line in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, and they just have a quarterback who can't even pivot away. I mean, the real problem here, I've been saying this, is I always put Eli Manning on my bust list. I've yet to be wrong, but <laughs> I, and literally, and every year I get, I catch flack for it because we got a lot of Giants fans in the fantasy community, mm-hmm. right? So they, they're like two time, you know, Super Bowl, you know, MVP. And I agree with all that. I don't have a problem with that. I can compartmentalize, okay? He was great today. No way. And part of the problem is, is that the offensive line is not good. There's no doubt about that. But the real problem is, he can't even pivot when he's under pressure. Mm -mm. So he goes down. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I mean, it's just, there is nothing else he can do. At least Russell Wilson has a mobility. And I don't even need a running quarterback. I just need someone who can pivot. And he got negative rushing yards last year. And the only other people that have done that is his brother and Matt Schaub over the last 10 years. So... That's what I'm saying. That, that that puts the whole offense, though. Uh, he's a liability to the whole offense if he can't pivot. And that's what that says to me. You can't even just move a little bit? Ugh, not good. Well, do you
0: think if this persists, if Eli Manning continues to be bad and they continue to lose football games... Do you think there's, there's a possible chance, like a sliver of a chance that they, they go to Davis Webb this year and see what they have? Or do you think it's Geno Smith? It's, it might be Geno Smith, actually.
1: It should be Geno Smith. Geno Smith actually had a great preseason. I think actually Geno Smith has some talent. I think what happened with him was very weird with the whole punching thing. And also, I mean, everything was very weird about what happened with Geno Smith. And I think he was just immature. He came out of college really young. I don't think he was ready for the lights. And it just got weird. But I would say no. I don't, I don't think that this, org- this organization is very conservative in the fact that they want to respect Eli Manning. I think there's going to be a lot of talk during this off season. like, Eli, yeah. do you want a front office job? <laughs> what do you want? You know, like, let me know. We'll make it happen. But we got to move on because they need to pay Odell. Odell's the best player. Right. I don't understand how people watch football and think they shouldn't pay Odell. I think that's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to pay Odell and they need to move forward. I agree.
0: And now, so real quick, I want to go back to Latavius Murray. How much of you, since he's your number one uh, free agent pickup, how much would you spend on him in, with free agent acquisition bucks? 20% of what I have left. That's solid. That's solid. And I think that's fair because we, I mean, I, with Tariq Cohen, I had mentioned that it was around 20 to 25% I'd spend. And I think Latavius Murray, around 20% is fair because you're getting a workhorse for a team, potentially. I mean, there's a lot of carries to go around in that backfield. I don't think that they want to throw the ball 45, 50 times per game. So- no. You should see, I would say that Latavius Murray is a good bet for at least 12 to 15 touches per game, which, you know, is definitely in that RB3 flex conversation. How do you feel about the Packers situation after Ty Montgomery went down? I know they're they're downplaying it now and saying that Ty Montgomery may potentially be ready for week five. And I, I don't know how much truth there is to that. But Aaron Jones, he's the one who came in after Jamal Williams went down. Jamal Williams is going to miss a couple of weeks. I think that's a guarantee. But Aaron Jones, it, it, the chance that he starts for the Green Bay Packers in week five, how much would you spend on him this week?
1: Probably like 10 percent. Maybe 20. It depends on how desperate I am. Again, like, I'm in some leagues where I'm going to probably have no fab money left by week five. But if I don't do that, I will have no possible way to get into the playoffs. We're already through week four, guys. We are third of the way to the playoffs. So you do need to spend your money. I mean, you know, you can't take it with you. So I guess for me, it depends on how desperate I am. Um, I do think that Aaron Jones scoring a touchdown at Lambeau Field and Lambeau Leap and everything felt really good. I'm not quite sure Jamal Williams even gets the handcuff job back. I'm OK with dropping Jamal Williams for Aaron Jones. I think that um, Aaron Jones may be the only healthy one, as you said, mm-hmm. going into next week, depending on what happens here. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty high on Aaron Jones. And even when Ty Montgomery comes back, and I was saying this before the injury, you know, uh, Ty Montgomery has been in the most snaps out of any running back going into week four like the most yes. out of everybody it and he, it wasn't even close and the problem is is that not only uh, you know is he not a big guy he was obviously transferred from wide receiver to running back um, but also he's you know he has sickle cell trait and so the problem with sickle cell trait is that it takes longer to recover from injuries that's part of the problem with that disease so I was really surprised with that usage and they kept saying they were going to use him less and then his snap counts went up and I was like what the what <laughs> so I'm hoping that they continue with Aaron Jones even when Ty Montgomery comes back that doesn't by the way that could be a good thing for Ty Montgomery for everyone that has Ty Montgomery on their teams out there um, I think that would be good to actually get him a little more breathing room keep him off the field a little bit keep him fresh so for me Aaron Jones it's not just about today but I think it is even moving forward I think he could be um, someone that you know has that random touchdown and we're going into bye weeks now everyone mm-hmm. you're looking for good flex plays we're going to talk about wide receivers and there's some really good ones there too that have that touchdown upside and I think that's where Aaron Jones is because that's what you need when you're filling in in a bye week yeah
0: and that's where with Alvin Kamara that's where I'm at with him. It's just that, you know, Brendan talked about the, the position scarcity at running back right now, and that's why I think Alvin Kamara, I would spend uh, upwards of 25% to grab him off the waiver wire this week. Latavius Murray is where I agree with you, I think, right in that 20% range. Uh, and then it goes down to Deontay Foreman, Wayne Gallman. I think those guys are in that 10% range. I don't think that they belong uh, in the conversation with Kamara and Latavius. Now, the, the we've gotten through like five running backs now, and we have not mentioned the Seahawks running backs. If you're picking, you know, Eddie Lacy. would? Well, well, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I mean, we have to talk about him because I'm sure there's people listening thinking, uh, what about the Seattle running backs? Chris Carson's down, significant injury, may miss the year. Who would you prefer to have? If, you, if you're going to pick up one, is it Lacey? Is it Rawls? Or do you go away from both of them and you say ProSize? I'm not quite sure ProSize is going to be healthy. He's never healthy. That's the problem. I would I yeah, would say ProSize 100%. Ever. If I knew that ProSize was yeah. going to play every game, I'd say him because he's most involved in the passing game. And honestly, to run the ball, I don't think Lacey or Rawls is going to be anything like consistently.
1: No, no, I don't. And, um, you know, to be frank with you, uh, I mean, should we be talking about McKissick? He's the only one who's looked dynamic. No, I mean, like, seriously, though, I, this is the thing with the Seahawks. We're not quite sure. I literally could not tell you who is going to be the guy this week. I thought that Chris Carson was going to be the guy. Clearly, that's not going to happen um, due to injury and then also due to insanity beforehand, like you said. But I just, yeah, I, again, I mean, to be honest with you, the one who looks the best is McKissick in a very small sample size, only four touches or four carries um, and one target. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they went with him. It's the Seahawks. We just don't know. Um, I'm actually and I said this at the beginning of the season. I am more confident in the Seattle Seahawks passing game than their running game by an infinite yes. amount. And, um, I said, and I, you know, it was my bold prediction that they were going to throw the ball 60% of the time. I think it might even be more than that. Yeah,
0: It might have to be honestly, with the way that they look, that offensive line is putrid. Um, I I posted a a link on my Twitter, uh, last week in regards to the Seahawks blocking on one play against the Titans, every single offensive lineman fell down. It was almost like it was synchronized and they just fell down. It was, it was hilarious. But you know, before we get into wide receivers and the waiver wire, I do want to talk about one of the sponsors for today's show. If you're like me, you probably have Gone through and look for tickets to a sporting event or concert, only to sit there for like an hour searching for the best value that you can find. After all, we aren't made of money. Spend time no more. Download the SeatGeek app on your phone. It's by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. With just a few taps, you'll find seats that will best suit your price range. They actually grade every ticket based on value to immediately identify the best value in your budget. Best of all, our listeners are going to get $20 off just for trying it out. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, enter promo code FANTASYPROS today. That's promo code FANTASYPROS for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Brandon, this is kind of a big uh, waiver wire week for wide receivers. Uh, That's a whole lot of W's I just said. But the one that really surprised me, so our our wonderful producer of the show, he always gets these things together for us and these these lists that we get to go off to rank our waiver wire additions, right? And one player, and I'm pretty sure that you're right there with me, that I'm surprised is only owned in an average of 27% of leagues. Cooper Cup. Why is he not owned, Brandon? Like, what is the deal here?
1: Well, I mean, he had a rough couple weeks, right? And so what people didn't do is they didn't watch the game, because if you watched the game, there was a little Cooper Cup jersey in the background of every single big player touchdown, literally. And it actually drove me a little crazy, you know, because I'm a Cooper <laughs> Cup believer. But I was like, are we kidding? Again, here he is blocking for Sammy Watkins touchdown here. Here he is blocking for one of t- Todd Gurley's huge runs here. Here he is for the so the guy is kind of everywhere. Um, but it didn't show up in the box score. And this is why we encourage everybody to, you know, watch games or listen to podcasts of people that watch Games And, you know, he's only been in 63% of the the snaps, 60% exactly over the first three weeks, and then 71% in week four. You know, and frankly, Robert Woods and Sammy Watkins have been in more. But I think that Cooper Cup, if you watch the preseason, and if you watch actually the games, too, uh, Goff always looks for him, Mm -hmm. you know, but the problem was he was staring him down like a piece of steak for a while. So I think (laughs) Sean McVay game planned to get him comfortable with his other targets, so that people don't just double Cooper Cup because because the guy's stare, getting stared at from his quarterback and, and moving forward I think that Sean McVay is going to be a little frustrating I think it is going to kind of rotate as to who's the main guy depending on matchups but I think if you actually do the research you can see where those matchups are so um, for me I, I like him moving forward I've been a big fan of his I think he's going to be huge for the rest of his career I drafted him in our or our um, dynasty league that you started actually mm-hmm. I actually got him and um oh they're they're tight end over. yes remember I I traded up for him and you you're didn't. like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. But I loved him and I love him now. I mean, I just think that this is important. His injury kind of set him back, but the guy is a huge, big playmaker. So um, listen, these are the two people that they drafted first when Sean McVay came to town and he made sure that he got those two people. That's all he wanted was Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup, and they have gotten integrated year one. I think this is a big, bright future ahead for both. Of them.
0: Well, it goes back to the mock draft that I did and the fact that you drafted Cooper Cup. I, I mentioned in that article that I wrote up about the mock draft is that Steve Smith and it all comes back to this, and the reason I always like I liked Cooper Cup more than a lot of people in the industry did was because Steve Smith, you know, ex-player Steve Smith was as an analyst now for NFL Network he was saying that Cooper Cup was his number one wide receiver in this draft like I wasn't willing to put him ahead of Corey Davis of course I I love Corey
1: Davis but when I have him in the dynasty yeah when
0: you say when you when you say that Cooper Cup is your favorite receiver it means he sees something in the kid that maybe some people are missing um as a former wide receiver so I took I definitely took that to heart but Brandon was the one who was was willing to reach for Cooper Cup and good for her because Cooper Cup is I think he's like a wide receiver three wide receiver four and that's hard to find on the waiver wire, right? A guy who can consistently perform on your fantasy team. And with that being said, while Todd Gurley and Sammy Watkins have some tough matchups coming up, looking at it, the Seahawks, Jaguars and Cardinals, that's the next three matchups, right? The Seahawks, you know, Richard Sherman's going to be glued to Sammy Watkins. The Jaguars, their perimeter corners are lights out. And then you go to the Cardinals, Patrick Peterson on the perimeter these teams have a weakness in the slot against slot receivers. And that's what exactly what Cooper Cup is. So he's not going to feel the schedule as much as someone like Sammy Watkins or Todd Gurley. So I like Cooper Cup. Bi-week fill-in gold. He's my number one waiver wire addition at the wide receiver position. I think that some people are going to be surprised to hear me say that, especially given how much I touted Devin Funches this offseason, saying that he was somebody who could probably be on some fantasy teams of yours. And I cut bait uh, because... Cam Newton just looks terrible. I, I mean, I know he looked good against the, the Patriots this past week, but do you take anything from this, Brandon? I I, I like Devin Funches. I just think that he's been underutilized. I think that he can do a lot of things that Kelvin Benjamin does, but they just don't they choose not to use Funches like that. So I'm not I'm not gonna invest a whole lot in him. Like if you want to grab him for maybe five, eight bucks off the waiver wire, I'm cool with that, but I'm not high on Devin Funches or anything.
1: Um they're not gonna play the Patriots every week. And uh they did play bad defenses before. And it wasn't great. So I need to see two weeks in a row of Cam Newton playing lights out before I believe it personally. Um, I'm worried about that. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm worried about the shoulder. I do, I do think he is struggling. Again, I'm someone who's, who's struggled with shoulder injuries my whole life. His movement on the sidelines is what concerns me the most. That's
0: fair. And you're someone speaking from experience with shoulder injuries. So another player who's probably a top of a lot of people's lists, Will Fuller. I don't think that Deshaun Watson's arm necessarily fits what Will Fuller does I know he scored two touchdowns this week but they were on shorter passes they weren't they weren't bombs which is what Will Fuller is known to be like to go down the field and get it right and it was the same concern that I didn't like Fuller last year if you recall in his NFL debut against the Bears I want to say Will Fuller scored two touchdowns that game and everybody ran to the waiver wire to pick him up and my argument Mm -hmm. was that Brock Osweiler's skill set does not fit what Will Fuller does like don't bank on this happening a lot and as as we know Will Fuller fell off a cliff I'm not taking much from this game again this is a matchup against the Tennessee Titans uh, a team that's allowed you know a top 12 wide receiver in every single week and it, and it went into week four again I, I'm not taking too much away from it. In the week before that, Deshaun Watson was against the Patriots, who, as we've talked about, they've been destroyed by every single quarterback they've played. So I'm not even taking too much from Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's looked better. I'm not going to say he hasn't. It's because there's been a lack of a pass rush from from New England and from Tennessee that he just sits back there and he's actually able to go through progressions, which is one of my knocks on him. Like if you go back in, in the first and second week. He was a quarterback that was that was looking to scramble out of the pocket. He was he was he was locking onto one guy and he was throwing to that one guy all the time. Whereas the last couple of weeks we've seen that change a little bit, and it's a step in the right direction for him as a quarterback for sure. And that's something that needed to change, but do we expect it to happen going forward? Like, what do you think of Will Fuller? Or do you think that there's there's not enough for two receivers in Houston?
1: Well, I think they need two receivers in Houston. I think that's great because the problem was Watson hasn't played as difficult of defenses, but Watson was doing what Goff was doing with Cooper Cup and just staring at Hopkins mm-hmm. and only targeting Hopkins. I mean, it was way worse, obviously, in that particular case, but Hopkins at least has like NFL <laughs> wide receiver yes. one experience. Um, so that was definitely the difference maker there. So I think that this has actually helped Hopkins. I think that Will Fuller's fine if you are looking for a bi-week fill-in and you don't need to spend a lot. I think, unfortunately, some people are going to spend a lot a lot, and I'm not quite sure about that either. I think the only good news here is that this will split up the defense a little bit moving forward, which will help him in more difficult Matchups, You know, I feel like Watson is a fine ad and obviously has shown some great moxie. I mean, I'm into this guy. And one of the biggest things about him coming out of college is that he's a fast learner, right? And man, we saw that. <laughs> Because I mean, before I was like, this guy can't even complete a pass, and now he's like a stud muffin. So good for you, good for you, Deshaun Watson. Um, but do I think that this is going to, you know, uh, be interpreted or you know, translate into Will Fuller all of a sudden becoming not Mister Dropsy and a number two r- wide receiver the rest of the way? No, I don't. I think that they're going to have to th- spread it around. I do hope that this helps Lamar Miller too. I thought that was interesting. Yeah,
0: Lamar Miller was a real surprise against the Tennessee defense, where Deonta Foreman mm-hmm. was coming up, and all of a sudden, like he put he, the but the. the, the on that. I'm not going to take too much away from one performance because he's looked so mediocre over the last year and a half, but it was a, a pretty impressive performance from him. Yeah, so Will Fuller is down my list a little bit. My number two receiver actually behind Cooper Cup is Kendall Wright I think people are kind of underestimating this move to Mitchell Trubisky and what it can do for the Bears offense, right? So if you go back and you look at the last couple of weeks, Mike Glennon, bad quarterback. Uh, I, don't, I don't, there's really no way for me to say it. There's no other way for me to say it, guys. I, I hate to say that, you know, people are, are just bad at their job, but Mike Glennon does not deserve a starting quarterback job in the NFL. And you know, if you go back to the Steelers game that the Bears won, they won by running the football, right? And they won. Mike Glennon targeted wide receivers four times that game. He completed a pass to wide receiver one time. So, you know, like going forward with Trubisky and what the, the, the Bears need to do with him. I'm not going to sit here and say that they will because I don't know. I don't have trust in John Fox. But what they should be doing is similar to what going back to the Denver days, what they did with Jay Cutler. They need to be rolling Trubisky out of the pocket, moving the pocket off to the side, creating some space. That That's the only way it's going to work for these wide receivers because they can't get open in standard routes they have to improvise there has to be some sort of option for there for the wide receiver for the quarterback they need to learn each other Kendall Wright is an experienced NFL receiver he knows he has a full route tree he was drafted as a first round pick for a reason I think Kendall Wright is someone who's going to become a lot more consistent in fantasy we've seen little glimpses of it but again when Mike Glennon is completing one pass to a wide receiver Kendall Wright's going to suffer I just don't think that happens with Trubisky am I reading too much into this Brandon or do you think that there's still going to be a lot of inconsistencies because it's a rookie quarterback.
1: No, I mean, one of the things that I talked about a lot in the preseason um, was the search for the number one guy on bad teams, because often they do get over 1000 yards. Now they don't necessarily get a lot of touchdowns. So they're more PPR options. But certainly that's where Kendall Wright's territory is, right? We're hoping that he's going to be the number one wide receiver for the Chicago Bears end of season. Maybe he gets close to 1000 yards or 1000 yards. But oftentimes, that's what happens on bad teams. Look at uh, Terrell Pryor in, in Cleveland last year, Kenny Britt in for the Rams last year over a thousand yards on bad offenses and not exactly guys that are big names so he's a he's a value pick in PPR leagues and against especially uh when you're coming up on these bye weeks you guys I think you have to change your thinking right now because you have a few weeks here where you're going to have to fill in with people that aren't necessarily desirable so if you're already a good team and you want a high floor guy for a fill-in to me that's Kendall Wright I'm with you. I, th- I think that's a solid play right there. And against Minnesota, you know, with
0: Xavier Rhodes on the edge, I, I mean, I think kind of Wright's probably gonna have the best, best matchup on the field for Trubisky and the Vikings don't necessarily a whole allow a whole lot on the ground game. So it'll be interesting to see the Bears game plan with Trubisky under center. Uh, but I do like Wright going forward. One player we talked about last week and I don't want to talk about too much because I've given my my take on him and that's Josh Doxson how do you view him going forward as the rest of the season? He's, is he someone that you would like to have as a bench stash over someone like you know Taylor Gabriel or Robbie Anderson, Jermaine Curse? those guys? Would you rather have Doxton on your roster?
1: It depends on how um, I'm already doing. We always talk about matchups in terms of NFL matchups. We don't really talk about matchups enough about like your fantasy team matchup right. with another team or where you are in terms of your rankings. And so for me, I think that if you already have a stable set of of wide receivers and you're looking for someone long-term that may boom later, then I think you go with Dachshund. If you need someone now, <laughs> and you go Kendall Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, these are just completely different situations. Gotcha. But I, I'm going to say this about Washington. I actually hit on a lot of my people that I liked and I miss or and I hit on a lot of the people I didn't like. I have no Brandon Marshall, no Adrian Peterson, no I mean there are other players mm-hmm. at, no Joe Mixon. No, I mean there are people that I was like no way. And um but I'll tell you where I really missed. I love Sean McVay and that's why I have every single Los Angeles Rams. I missed on how much Washington would miss Sean McVay. I should have downgraded every single Washington player, and that includes Josh Doxson, even though he was barely even ranked, because I, I think this offense is really Well, it struggling. also comes
0: back to Terrell Pryor is just not very good at football. He's not a very good receiver.
1: Well, I mean, but last season everyone was saying he was great. I football. didn't. I, I mean, didn't. I, I,
0: I, honestly, this
1: offseason, <laughs> I actually started, and
0: I, I've admitted this on the show, I started to come around because there were so many smart people that I respected in the industry explaining why Terrell Pryor was a strong play, and with all the injuries that were going on in Washington, it was hard not to say that it wasn't a smart play because Doxson was hurt, Jordan Reed, we know he's not going to play the whole season, he's already missed games that you know Deshaun Jackson gone, Pierre Garçon gone. It, it was Terrell Pryor from a quarter. Crowder play. hurt. Yeah, I think Crowder's more hurt. Than we think. I agree because Crowder yeah. is an actually good receiver. He's a really good player. Yes, yeah. um, but Terrell Pryor just looks lost out there. I, I, I felt like he was a volume play last year, but he almost he's almost regressed. And I, I, it's weird to say that this is his last chance for me tonight. We're recording this on Monday during the day. You may be listening to it after the game has already been played. But I think his matchup tonight is actually a really good one against Terrence Mitchell, where he doesn't line up on Marcus Peters' side of the field a whole lot. So Terrell Pryor should actually have a good game uh, in in an area where a lot of teams have attacked the Chiefs and succeeded. So if he doesn't this week, honestly, Josh Doxson moves up my waiver wire board because it means that Terrell Pryor can't even get it done in the, the best of matchups, which means Josh is going to keep getting more opportunities, and he's actually the best receiver on this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys forget, he was a he was a very highly touted yes. first-round draft pick, and he, his injuries really sidelined him, and obviously, you know, he moved out of everyone's consciousness. But, you know, when I was at the draft there, and I actually got to interview him, and he's an incredibly um, kind of like, I, I guess the word I would use is like regal feeling when I was talking to him, like he was very like composed and mm-hmm. talking, and actually at the draft, draft he was wearing a purple um, pocket square because the Vikings were obsessed with him mm-hmm. but Washington stole him yep. early
0: and then so <laughs> the Vikings were forced yeah. to go to the Treadwell <laughs> oh,
1: poor Vikings right I mean is that is this the poor Vikings show but yeah. yeah and so I mean this guy was highly touted he has all the talent man I am worried about those injuries I'm with you I just feel like I should have I also think they've really left Kirk Cousins out to dry I don't think this is Kirk Cousins' fault. I think this is a... I, when you look down the field, there's no one open, mm-hmm. ever. Right. I'm worried about him. Yeah, it's a problem. If,
0: let's go back to that. So you, you mentioned that with the bye weeks here, there's people that are looking for replacements, and it might be a wide receiver, right? You maybe, maybe Julio Jones misses a week, and someone needs to pick up somebody then. I don't know what's going on with him. Maybe Jordan Matthews. Hopefully you weren't relying on him to begin with. But one player I think that could make an impact seemingly right now, and maybe even for the rest of the year, is Jerron Brown. Jerron Brown, most people have kind of overlooked it after he didn't He didn't see a single target in the first game. Over the last three weeks, this guy has twenty, has 27 targets, 20, 29 targets maybe? Yeah, 29. 29 targets. He's he's totaled at least 70 yards and or a touchdown in each of the games. So what do we make of Jerron Brown right now? He looks fantastic. John Brown is still dealing with the sickle cell, his quad injury, Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, it's Larry Fitzgerald, guys. Yeah, but I mean, he's had four phenomenal matchups out of the gate, and he's had one really good game in a game that he was targeted like 15 times. So I I think we're nearing the end with Larry Fitzgerald. I think we could acknowledge that. So Jerron Brown, what do you
1: think of him going forward? Yeah, but you know what? You didn't have to take Larry Fitzgerald early. You feel good about it. Yeah. That's true. I mean, listen, I mean, let's be honest here when he was, you know, back in his heyday and a first down pick, you know, obviously, he's not that guy anymore, but he still is functional. I mean, there have been some really bad players out there right now in terms of fantasy production. So I'm not gonna put him out to pasture yet. But I am going to say that I'm, I'm cool with Jerron Brown. I'm not cool with John Brown. And you know me because we did podcasts together all last season. I'm a huge advocate for being worried about sickle cell trait, maybe to a fault event, but I, I am not cool with that at all. And, um... I, I wish for his health. But today, for fantasy purposes, I'm all on Jerron Brown.
0: Yeah, we uh, we interviewed John Brown on the show and we asked him about the sickle cell. And uh, he was saying that, you know, that a lot of people talk about it and they don't really know too much about it. He wouldn't get into too much detail about it and how it's affecting his recovery. But he did say that if he misses practice time during the week, that it's likely that Bruce Arians isn't going to have him run certain routes that he normally would. And I think that's the reason we saw that John Brown actually third in wide receiver snaps this week behind Jerron Brown. So until we see John Brown in the field, in a full-time role, I think Jerron Brown needs to be played, uh, especially in solid matchups where they're not facing any tough perimeter corners or anything like that. One player I want to mention before we maybe touch on tight ends real quick is Juju Smith-Schuster. This kid was someone I liked coming out of the, the draft, and on, I, we talked to Matt Harmon about him on this show. And Matt didn't like him as much as I did. I felt like Schuster had some really, really, really good traits to his game that could amount to a potential number one wide receiver in an offense. He disagreed with that, but the, the Steelers are putting him on the field a lot more than I thought they would. He actually played more snaps in Week Four than Martavis Bryant. So he's definitely at, he's playing as their number three receiver in front of Eli Rogers.
1: He's scoring touchdowns seemingly every
0: single week. Is he worth an ad right now,
1: friend? Are we going to make up over our fight about Martavis Bryant in the preseason?
0: Yeah, probably. Probably. I'm give, I. I don't know. I, ben Roethlisberger. He's holding a grudge.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna, I know. I'm going to use
0: that. Um, I told you that, it's, though. It's so bad. I I, I, I
1: just, listen, I'm, I. first of all, everyone's right and wrong on a million different right, things. Right. For me, this is about um, technique for fantasy purposes, right? right. So I, again, we don't talk enough about actual fantasy technique. We talk more about football technique, mm-hmm. which is great. But for me, because he'd been out for so long, because I believe Big Ben is one foot out the door. That's what I'm I saying. I hope so. No, but I mean, I, I think that that's the problem. I just think that he has decided he's dominant, you know, he just, he's, he's holding grudges, he's acting weird, he's not targeting certain people, and then he goes into press conferences and, like, has emotions. It's very weird. I just want nothing to do with it. And because he's, because Big Ben's so boomer bust, I didn't also want a boomer bust player that's reliant upon him. Uh-huh. Um, and that was my thing with Martavis Bryant. And I feel kind of the same way about Juju Smith-Schuster. So if you can ride that train, so that's why I brought up Martavis Bryant. It's a train you're going to have to ride, and it's bumpy, and it's jerky and you're probably going to get motion sickness but if that is, if you are desperate I do believe in Juju Smith-Schuster and remember when Martavis Bryant and Sammy Coates had a little fight on Twitter yeah, when they drafted that. so yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah I think that this is legit they really do want him to come in I think there's a possibility he does take over from Martavis Bryant I'm worried but again, I'm worried because of Big Ben and his erratic behavior so far this season. Mm. I'm, I'm worried for this entire offense, which actually I went back and forth with uh, Scott Piantkowski from Yahoo about how I would actually rank Gurley above Bell rest of season. Wow. Just one spot. But I said for me – I, I don't trust that Pittsburgh offense. I trust the Rams offense. And to me, that gives him the slight edge because I'm not quite sure. We saw it this week, but I think we're going to see less of those big time games from Bell because of Ben's erratic behavior and on and off the field. I'm I'm just, I'm very hesitant. So that's why I'm a little hesitant with Juju. But listen, you may be in a deep league where you have to do it. And I did like Juju Smashuster for the season or for like dynasty purposes. Right. So I think he, the talent is there. I'm with you. 100%. But I do. I mean, this offense makes me very nervous. And even this week, I'm still nervous, you guys. I'm still nervous because you know what? The Jags also tore up the Baltimore Ravens. So, I mean, what do we say from here? I don't know. Do you feel this way about Big Ben? Am I freaking out too much about Big Ben? Um,
0: That's why I asked at the beginning if, if it was Ben next because I think they needed to get the ground game going. Um, they weren't blocking the way that they typically have been no. uh, for, 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 Le- for Le'Veon Bell. It looked a lot better against the Ravens who, again, they were shorthanded, so I'm not going to take too much from this game. Ben Roethlisberger had has we, we've talked about it his road struggles hit, like legitimately on the road he mm-hmm. is over the last three years we're not talking about a one-year sample where it's like eight games we're talking about over a three-year period his stats are equivalent to Brock Osweiler stats from 2016 that's bad that's really bad the thing is Martavis Bryant is a physical specimen I, I was believing in the kids natural ability but it, you're right if, if the Steelers aren't hitting on all cylinders there's not going to be enough room for Le'Veon Bell Antonio Brown Juju Smith-Schuster and Martavis Bryant with that being said, Martavis has almost doubled the, the targets of Juju right now, so I, it's, I'm not so worried. But about But what has he done with them? Exactly. That's that's the problem. We keep
1: talking about targets, like that's the, that's the thing. You guys, sometimes people are getting targets, and it's not happening. But it seems
0: like it's all based on timing, where it's like Ben does not have the yeah. timing down with Martavis. There's been two balls that I've seen personally because I try and watch a lot of these games, but sometimes I, I won't get to all of them because it's just impossible to do it in a week. But Martavis Bryant, there's been a couple balls where it's literally off the fingertips, just a second away, and it may just be a timing issue because he's coming off of you know a year suspension. With that being said, can I make a plea right now that it, it stinks because Martavis Bryant was supposed to be a free agent after this year. I want the Bears to go out and trade for Martavis Bryant. I want them to get hit. The, mm. uh, he's a number one wide receiver for for Mitch Trubisky. I want that to happen. Kevin White is done. He's not playing football. Please go out and get Martavis Bryant. I know he's going to be a, a free agent after the 2018 season, but trade for him, do a, train and si- uh, a sign and trade and make it happen because I, I want Martavis Bryant. He's, he's really good. But with that being said, outside of Cooper Cup, I mean him, I would be willing to spend 25% of my... My budget on him I think that he's like whoa on Juju no no on Cooper Cup
1: oh yes yes okay oh, okay. I just okay. wanted to touch on it I just <laughs> wanted
0: to touch on the fab portion going to Cooper Cup 25% okay. Kendall Wright is down around that 15 to 10% depending on your league mm-hmm. and how you might be able to get him for 10 just because people are underestimating the, the effect that Trubisky can have but everybody else kind of falls in this like five dollar maybe maybe up to 10 for Jerron Brown I'm not in love with anybody. Is there anybody that I'm missing here that you really wanted to talk about?
1: No, I will say this. Juju Smith-Schuster, part of um, the uptick as well has been Eli Rogers' injury. And they did have Juju in the slot a few times in preseason as well. So that is part of it. I don't know what will happen with his usage going forward. I just want to point that out. Um, I will say I'm incredibly disturbed by Amara Cooper's play this year. Mm. I don't think this is a one-off. Or three or four off, and I don't know what's going on with Derek Carr's injury yet. I don't know who you would invest in necessarily there, but I think you could get Seth Roberts maybe for free after free agency, and I would maybe do that. I think this is a real problem, Ugh. and I think the Crabtree injury, I, I something. I mean, you watch it mentally. I don't know what's going on with Amari Cooper. And by the way, I'm not trying to be anecdotal here or whatever, because I think that some of the things that I'm saying are – but a lot of these have fantasy repercussions. And part of the problem is he has one of the hardest schedules in the National Football League for wide receivers. And he just – he can't get his confidence up. And I don't know what's going on with him. He's just not – I don't know what's going on. I'm personally worried. And for me, I think Seth Roberts might be a decent play moving forward. And I apologize for having to say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. I do. <laughs> but I, we have to talk about it. I'm not going to sulk over Amari
0: Cooper right now. Um, it's been a sad season for us. Amari Cooper. True, but again, he's 23 years old. Things are going to happen. He's going to have some struggles. And you know, right now, Derek Carr, that's, that's the biggest thing against Bron- the Broncos. You could say that it, it was obviously a tough matchup, but at the same time, uh, it's been all season. Yeah. He, no, it's, and I, I've explained that his, his issues are different than a lot of other people's where it's like a lot of mental things and he needs to get over them uh but i I think he will in the long run but let's touch on tight ends before we have to get out of here i can't believe it's almost an hour has gone by uh but let let's run through a couple tight ends here i have four names that i want you to put in order evan ingram cameron brate austin safarian jenkins and tyler croft how would you rank those is that the order that you'd have because that's my order
1: yeah, well, I've been all over uh, Evan Engram since the preseason. I was outside of Evan Engram before the preseason because he was known as not like the best blocker, mm-hmm. and um, you know I knew that the offensive line for the <laughs> for the Giants was questionable at best, um, and so that 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 concerned me, right? But I would say that moving forward, I, you know, the guy has been incredibly good, incredibly consistent, and he has at least four catches and at least forty yards in every single game. That's Michael Thomas territory, right? There he did that his rookie season as well. Boom! I like him, so I'm going to stick with you on that. I think Tyler Croft is a tight end one as long as Tyler Eifert is out, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't be surprised if they did two tight end sets when Tyler Eifert comes back. Yeah, I am concerned. (laughs) Um, and then I mean, how could you not be? How could you not be? This guy is always. Hurt. And then, yeah, I, you know, Cameron Brait, yes, um, we knew that he would be the guy over O.J. Howard, although O.J. Howard also had a touchdown last week, you guys, mm-hmm. um, in terms of being the pass catching back. So for me, yes, I, I, I like him. Austin Safarian Jenkins, I I had to play him this week. Um, It just, you know, it, it is what it is. Four for four, 46 yards, meh. And then Jesse James is going to be touchdown dependent. But man, when they need him, they'll need him. And he has been catching all of his passes. He's been quite good. So I I actually like your order. I'm going to keep it that way, except for I might move Tyler Croft up to um, right behind Cameron Brait.
0: Yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see how Cameron Brait's handled this week. And I, I like how you mentioned the fact that O.J. Howard is seeing snaps. And you want to know the funny part about that? Most people don't know. O.J. Howard has outsnapped Cameron Brait 122 to 99 through four weeks. He's actually playing more oh, snaps. God. And that's the thing. is like We didn't want to put rookie tight ends that high. I'm with you. In, in terms of Evan Ingram, I didn't think that he would make an impact right away, especially with the, the no. blocking concerns the Giants offensive line but they're 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 essentially using him as a wide receiver in the slot he is blocking better than I thought he would uh but Evan Ingram is definitely my number one Cameron Brait this week against the Patriots that's a Thursday night game I actually wrote that one up already I've been going through and looking at notes and tidbits it's really interesting to look at Cameron Brate or OJ Howard this week because I think one of them is going to present a Mm -hmm. lot of value but they're almost canceling each other out right Brandon because like at the tight end position what we want is targets that's that's what we're searching for because that 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 presents opportunity we want a high scoring offense the Bucks are presenting that but when it's a timeshare among tight ends it gets ugly but at the same time Cameron Brate if you're going to bet on one he's the one seeing the most targets there. so. But
1: if you're not Zach Ertz or Rob Gronkowski, you're hit or miss this year at the tight end position anyway. I mean, to be fair, it's a complete disaster
0: zone. It's nuts. I, I actually did my rest of season rankings earlier today, and um, I, I debated putting Zach Ertz over uh, Travis Kelsey. I couldn't do it but I, I, would understand why, I, did. I would understand why someone would. I really would. Like Zach Ertz, the biggest beneficiary of the Jordan Matthews trade. Jordan Matthews being out of the lineup is huge for him. He's become the safety blanket for, for Carson Wentz, and that's a really good thing when you have Alshon Jeffrey and Torrey Smith out there stretching the field. So,
1: By the way, on Evan Engram, Zach Ertz, Evan Engram, and Rob Gronkowski are the only tight ends with 30 targets so far this season.
0: Yeah, yeah Kyle Rudolph is, uh kind of fallen off. That's something we'll have to talk about a different day because we are unfortunately out of time, Brandon. I had a blast talking with you, though. Thanks for coming on.
1: You too. I miss you.
0: Yes. All right. So go enjoy your anniversary. We are going to get out of here. Uh, we will be back, obviously, on Wednesday to record our sit and start show going through the plays in week five, which ones are the best to sit, which ones are the best to start, you know, and a bunch of other nonsense. I want to thank our sponsors for today's show. Lisa Mattresses. Go ahead. Check them out. L-E-E-S-A dot Forward slash fantasy pros and check out Seat Geek promo code fantasy pros. Thank you as always for listening, guys. We will see you next time. But until then, lights out.
1: I just wanted you to watch me just.